media has an agenda that they're going to serve. I don't know who's in charge of it or what it is, if it's like a headless monster. Why? This is a question. Walking backwards. Walking backwards. <laughs> Something sacred. I don't know the names of the creep songs. Those Running in circles. Just pop in and let play. Sea of glass. It's the flight and the fall. I love Ozzy. <laughs> I think he's the true definition of a rock star. <laughs> Anybody else have any interesting stories they want to talk Hey, this is John Lane from the thriving tropics of Leechburg, Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Rock Show, show featuring the best unsigned rock that Pennsylvania has to Hey, it's Bill, and you're tuned into the Pennsylvania Rock Show, featuring the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer, right here on parockshow.com, megarockradio.net, 107.1 FM, St. Louis, Missouri, altrockradio.ca in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, rudurradio.com on the beaches of San Diego, California, altrock, I did that one already, xrpradio.co. UK in Birmingham, United Kingdom, and right here in the thriving metropolis of Leechburg, Pennsylvania, with our two green lights, red lights, whatever you want to call them, buildthescene.com. My name is Bill. This is episode number 587 of the Pennsylvania Rock Show. With me tonight is a name that you may recognize, Dave Hillis. What's up, Dave? I'm doing good. What's up? Not too much. I... I did a little okay. prep work. I, I was listening to a couple of your tracks. I went and listened to some Alice in Chains, and that's where we're going to head here first. <laughs> they're probably they're quite a bit different, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the reason I said that that your name is one they might recognize is you have done some work for some big name bands in, in the studio, and I'm going to give you a chance to do some name dropping, and then we'll talk about the Fault and and your album and lots of other things. But let's start with the name dropping first. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to be uh, around in um, Seattle and at the right studio uh, at the right decade there where we had a good run going on. So, you know, we did um, worked with Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. Uh, those are, you know, various other ones, a little bit with Candlebox. And um, I'm trying to think now that. Now that you ask, like, I have to think who all came in there. Temple uh, of the Dog. Temple of the Dog record. Um, a lot in between that, you know, weren't as famous as, as those, of course. So uh, it's all relative in, in some ways. Because um, uh, when we started, obviously, nobody was really famous, you know, um, outside of, you know, Pearl Jam having a bit of success before that, some other things. But, um, yeah, I you know. And then from there, I went on to do other things in other states or whatever you know i also worked with james blunt uh pop on pop his big pop debut uh all his writing stuff and that was in london and then um i also had a good run with the afghan wigs and greg dooley from the afghan wigs uh side project solo stuff uh twilight singers where i got to work with you know mark lanigan on that um from the screaming tree so um Somehow they all connect in some weird way, except uh, James Blunt. That was just a fluke. But, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, just, you know, earlier on, I was involved in this metal scene and things like that. Um, you started playing at a pretty young age, if I remember reading the bio correctly. Um, and we're in a fairly big band at, at, at a young age, too. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I was... Um... Uh, I mean, I started, yeah, yeah, I started like piano actually at five. Didn't really follow that up, but then guitar was like the instrument I really went for, and I started that at 10. But I was really right away, um, I was just interested in writing, um, original stuff. I didn't really get into covers or anything, and um, so I started going to saving up and whatever I had to do to get into recording studios really early in high school. Um, did not know what I was doing or where, what even studio to pick or anything like that. And, um, 
and with no intention to be a studio guy at all. It was all about me trying to get my, my songs and, and um, my, you know, dreams of rock stardom happening and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I was in a, uh, uh, and I was very ambitious. So I'd sent out my, my demos like right away. I didn't even, I, was, you know, I just started literally looking at the back of records and sending them to record labels, which, you know, most of them sure just got thrown away, but I was naively ambitious about all of it, tried it, but surprisingly enough, I got, and I was, you know, it was uh, really, I was coming from a heavy metal, a, you know, new wave, British new wave, heavy metal type background, but at the same time, things were getting heavier, and I was also getting into this local punk rock stuff, and so we were, um, the whole scene in San Francisco started happening, um, and I, you know, so we had a, I sent a demo and I got a letter back from Metal Blade Records, which at the time was putting out, um, you know, the Metal Masker 5 series that had, you know, pretty much discovered everybody from that genre back then, um, you know, Metallica and Slayer and Voivod and Celtic Frost, on and on and on. And we happened to get on Metal Masker 5. So that was when, um, that's what kind of started like thinking that, wow maybe I could do this, you know, even though it was, you know, you know, terrible recordings and independent, this and that, but it, but it was a start to something to where I could think outside of local, you know? Um, and so I just kind of always kept my sights on that, but yeah, we had some, we were lucky. Uh, we, we had some success from that. We got on, uh, got our own deal and we put a couple of records out that, you know, we got, we did the whole fanzine thing. We were like fanzines all around the world. Uh, we signed a European deal then um, and did our own tours. You know, like I said, with San Francisco, we would travel from Seattle down to San Francisco because that's where it was happening. It wasn't really happening quite yet in Seattle, way pre-grunge. Um, and that's, you know, we started playing with all those bands, Exodus and Testament and Possessed and like Death Angel and Metallica would be at our shows and like stuff like that. <laughs> so we were... You know, that just really, like I said, was my introduction to like, you know, I could do this or I could make records and people might well, listen to them. What, <laughs> even though we were terrible, really. But <laughs> what what made you transition into the studio from from playing? Um, well, so as we were, you know, as I was growing up a bit and doing it, um, like when I went, I just didn't have any concept of actual what would was good. I mean, I guess I did. What was good production? I was going to say, I mean, I guess I did like from bands like Boston and things like that. Um, but I didn't really care at that time. It was all about, you know, the excitement and the emotion of metal and thrash and stuff like that. Um, but as I was getting in it more and getting, starting to understand that, man, I need to do this at a better level. Um, I started really digging into you know, getting my own gear. I used some of the money to buy like a Fostex tape machine. And um, I had a four track and I started like programming um, drum machines and samplers and just started doing that. Still not really ambitious to be an engineer necessarily. I was thinking still more of a writer and maybe a producer if I even knew what that really was yet. And, uh, but how that kind of, transitioned is when um i actually did a demo uh for myself with some new i was trying to start a new band for a couple of years just nothing was really happening couldn't find the right lineup and i was trying to move away a little bit from thrash metal and stuff and just experimenting like a lot of people were doing at that time like this was pretty great everybody's trying to find the sound everybody's still really influenced by the la scene or that was fading away now and um uh, so I was going through that process too, and I booked some time at London Bridge Studios because good things were starting to happen out of there. Like you know, bands that deal, you know, it was just it, it seemed the mo it was the most pro place. I mean, actually, there's a lot of good studios in Seattle. I don't know how that city had so many good studios. Now that I've traveled, I didn't realize how many we had there until I left. You know, outside of L.A. You know, um, but. Bridge had something special, so I went there, and um, and that's how, and then that's how I kind of met Rick Prosher, who I ended up working for the studio. Him and his brother owned. Rick was the producer there, um, uh, and he, he. Funny part about that was he didn't even really want to be a producer. It was more <laughs> he was trying to keep the family business happening, 
but he was just naturally really good. He was also a trained pianist and like super smart and talented on his own right. But um, funny enough, not a grunge guy in the least. He was more classical and things like that, but he was so technically savvy and musically savvy that it didn't really matter what he was style of music it was going to be good so talking to him um i I, he had saw that he didn't even work on the work with me on my demo it was uh don gilmore actually who went on to do lincoln park but uh he was just starting out too and later on i'd seen him at a club and he'd recognized me from the studio said oh hey how'd your session go i went oh yeah it went great man da 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 and then he invited me back to the studio for a little get together he said hey you know why don't you bring some of your friends here? Cause I think he knew that I was dialed into the scene kind of, and wanted to like, you know, have me back to the studio, just get people. Or, and he happened to say that he was looking for an assistant. And, you know, I went, that sounds like a good thing to do, <laughs> you know? And I go, man, yeah, I know about this and that. And um, so I hounded him for a couple of weeks until he like had me come over and I came over all prepared with uh, demos and, whole speech worked out of how I was going to get this job and he didn't want to hear any of it. He just didn't really care. And he was just like, <laughs> are you going to be able to be here? And uh, I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, you know, let's try it. And I go, great. What do I need to do? And uh, I told the story before, but he, uh, he handed me a physics book, like a hardback physics book from university of Washington where he went. And I'm like, what? I'm like, I want to rock, you know, like what's, what's this about? And later on, I kind of figured I still have it on my bookshelf too. Uh, but you know, it was attempt to like, forget your rock star stuff, dude. Like, you know, this, there's some serious things you need to learn and, you know, with frequencies and things like that, wavelengths and physics, I, things like I that. am teaching that stuff to my fourth graders right now. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of set the tone of our working relationship right there. He was, you know, no nonsense uh, in the studio. Outside the studio, different story. But inside the studio, it was all work, you know, um, and took everything very seriously. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how that's how I fell into engineering. And then, you know, that when I first came in, and I'd already known all the guys from Temple Dog and all the bands because we were all in the local scene together. We were all had the same rehearsal studio places or at the same parties, same group of friends, you know, we all knew each other and who was in that band and who's the competition, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so, so that wasn't necessarily, it, it was, you know, it was just like, Oh, the local dudes, but he was happened to be working on the temple of the dog stuff. He was just getting ready to mix it when I came in. Um, so that's kind of where that started, but yeah, then, so point being is that, then like a few weeks out after that i'm working on a band from um, portland called love and ice who just signed this uh really huge deal with interscope records so basically within the first couple weeks i'm working on major label records and he just kind of threw me in the fire like go do this you know (laughs) learn the patch bay and like i'm turning knobs on this neve and like he knew that i was knew about he knew that i came from a guitar background and I knew about all the pedals and the sounds and the tones. I was a guitar nerd. So he like, you know, used that to his advantage. Like let, we're doing these guitar rock bands and uh, that wasn't necessarily his total forte. So that's how he kind of got off and running. And, and like I said, he just kind of threw me in the fire. There was no like training really. <laughs> it was just like, and I, you know, basically kind of made his training was, he kind of felt stupid all the time, you know, because he, <laughs> like I do something, he goes, you're boosting the same frequency twice. Like, I don't know. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> patch bay and everything was like high stress. Like I was always just freaking out, but, uh, but it was good. And that's, so then all of a sudden I'm an engineer. I'm like, Oh, I didn't ever plan on doing that. And, uh, uh, but now I've been doing it for over 30 years. So it's like, it's come, uh, become a thing. So it occurred to me while, while you're, you're talking of it, I may have been going about something all wrong. And I'm going to ask my first off-the-wall question because it kind of plays into all all the names you've been throwing out. So I've been trying for probably at least two years to get Dave Grohl to acknowledge that I exist and come on my show. Okay. And I feel like you might know somebody that might know him. (laughs) You know, I don't. Um, (laughs) I've 
Nirvana, you know, it's funny because I get asked about Nirvana. Like, I, if you work for them, but did you work with Nirvana? I mean, that's all that anybody really See, cared about. I didn't about. ask that. I asked if you knew someone that knew so, someone. So, I know. So, <laughs> I know. I was thinking, and I really don't. I mean, maybe some way, but I doubt it. Not enough to pull anything off for you there. But, um, yeah, I I always, uh, they, you know, they weren't really, I saw them play at, like, the smallest clubs, Vogue, and, like, walked out, like, not walked out because they were bad. I just, like, didn't give it, you know, I was doing other stuff. And I remember my, you know, I had a friend at the time that just thought they were the best thing, you know, with Bleach, who was coming out, and I was just, like, but they were never really around Seattle, you know, like, not like, the other bands, those guys I saw all the time, um, everywhere. But they, they, they you know, it's fun. they've been, they're so known for Seattle, but they really weren't necessarily like in the Seattle scene, as it were. Well, here, here's the question, and and I'll give you a little bit of the backstory. A lot, something I like in the local scene is when a local band sees someone from another local band, and they're like, "Hey, come up on stage and do this song with us." Sure, I, you and, know how much and, has that ever really happened? I see it a lot. Do you? I do. It's never happened for I, me. I, I want somebody to invite me up. They ever do. Well, that's that's. <laughs> here comes the question. It's perfect. So the Foo Fighters are known for bringing their fans up. You know, right? Yeah, sign yeah. up. I want to come play. Videos, yeah. Right. So my question is, who's your Dave Grohl? In other words, who would you want to go up on huh. stage with and, and and perform a song? Well, now I'm so out of practice. I wouldn't. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think. I don't know. I would have to really think about it. Who would be my day, bro? I don't know. I did, you know, I take it back. I did one time get to go, uh, probably not the coolest thing, but uh, uh, when Counterbox played a big show once, they asked me to come up and they did a cover of Kiss song. And I, I didn't even know it. I'm like, but I ain't going to say no. I'm just kind of <laughs> hitting, looking at the other guys and trying to hit the right chords. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't. Who would be my? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of different kinds of bands too, like you know, like My Bloody Valentine or something. But like, how would that would make no sense of me ever going up with them? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. You know, I bet you as soon as we hang up, I'm gonna go. Oh, I should have said this guy. <laughs> I can't think of someone off the spot. Yeah, well, you have time. We, okay, we come back. It might pop in. Um, so you mentioned that that you've worked in studios all over the place. I've also, I've heard you also mention being in Seattle and San Francisco and you're in Pittsburgh now. Um, where, where else have you worked as far as studios go? Um, a lot of, a lot of LA. I lived down there for a while as well, but I was always going back and forth for LA. Um, Detroit, uh, New York, electric lady at New York. Got to work there. That was cool. And, um, I was in London for a while. So I got to work in London. Uh, I was working, actually had a little thing going on there. That's how the James Blunt and different things came up is that I was, um, from a previous connection manager, uh, uh, the vice president of EMI publishing at the time I had a connection with and I hooked up with him in London and, and he like was really, you know, hooked me up to where I could work out of their studios there, EMI publishing their studios, which was amazing. And he was just he was um, feeding me some acts, and then he was also like, "If you need the studio for anything, just go to the go to the, uh, the you know the uh, book and just write in. If it's open, write your name in there and take whoever you want to develop." So that was really cool. I got to, uh, you know, have a place to actually work out of that was, you know, pretty well known and stuff. So um, those are the, those are the main ones, you know. Um, and I just, you know, any opportunity to work somewhere else, I would. Um, I recently worked down in Nashville for the first time at Sputnik Studios, um, Vance Powell's place. Uh, so that was cool. You mentioned the Electric Ladyland. Um, this show used to be live in my living room. They used to, the bands would show up and play live. Oh, that's cool. And um, I had a connection with a guy who owned a company called Total Music and Entertainment. And um, he actually taught me how to run a mixer through AOL Instant Messenger while I was live mixing bands. Oh, <laughs> um, and talk about throwing in the fire. There you go. Yeah. And he was on dial up. So like there was a delay. <laughs> oh, great. So he's, yeah. So like I, I fixed it 30 seconds after he heard it. <laughs> right. But um, he had, 
he ran um, front of house at Star Lake in Burgettstown. Um, he was signed um, writer to a couple different labels. So he had, had some connections and he happened to be in Electric Ladyland one day and my show was broadcasted live in the studio, oh, which cool. was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I had, it was a great experience for me. I was, uh, it was an odd gig. I was um, working at the time I was working on a lot with uh, Greg Dooley, who I mentioned from the Afghan Wigs, And he was really good friends with um, Dennis Leary, the comedian. And Dennis was doing his, his record and was having Greg be one of the producers on it. Just like kind of a weird thing. And I, Greg calls me one day, Hey, you free next week? And I'm like, I could be, you know, and he's mm-hmm. like, you want to come to New York? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Um, and, and Greg style doesn't really tell me much of anything. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to New York. I end up working at, and then we're at electric lady. I'm like, Oh, that's, this is great. You know, who we do it. And it's Dennis. <laughs> it's like a comedy record, but it was so much fun. And, uh, Eddie Kramer happened to be working nice. in studio B doing Jimi Hendrix, like reissue stuff. And like, I ran into him in the hallway. He invites me in. He starts playing it for me. Like, I'm like, this is so cool. I'm hang- sitting around all day. Cause those guys would be so late. They'd show up at like 10 at night. I'm there at 10 <laughs> in the morning. And, uh, and so I'd hang out in, in, and the, the manager, I forget her name at the time, studio manager, was uh, telling me all these great, like, inside stories and stuff that's happened there. And I, it was, it was Joe Blaney was there. He, big producer, did like Ramones and Blondie and things like that. He was telling me stories. I mean, it was just like a fun, like, I had nothing but fun there. And Dennis was like awesome and super funny in the, in the control room. But, uh, interesting gig. Uh- and we snuck, we snuck in, we snuck in me, me and Greg, uh, in Studio A, main studio, really cool one. Uh, D'Angelo was in there, booked out for like a year or something. And like, you know, there's like security there and everything. There's camp, you know, there's a 24 hour desk person and all that stuff. And uh, it somehow, uh, Greg's like, you know, constantly like. A, he he's always pushing limit. There's always gonna some kind of trouble's gonna happen with him. <laughs> and he and he's like he's like, let's break into uh D'Angelo's room into a studio. I'm like, how how are we gonna break in? And I don't even remember how we did, but we got in there and I'm like, we're gonna get busted. Like there's we're gonna get in trouble for this. And we're sitting in his lounge and like because it's like a private lounge, walking around, it's amazing, all this amazing equipment and all that. But um yeah, it was a lot, it was some cool times oh uh new orleans too we worked at uh daniel law's kingsway studio which was another month of like in new orleans with the afghan wigs dude i came back looking like i was 10 years older bags of <laughs> it was quite the uh experience um so yeah i've got to work some cool places so now you're at the vault, um, at the vault. on uh neville island how, how did you? Yeah, which I can barely get to now because the bridge is all being. I haven't been there in a while. Does it still smell? <laughs> still smell like chemicals? I no, I haven't noticed that. But you know, I'm not. I haven't been out here that long. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't. I don't know. Honestly, the city is so right off the exit there that you're often in the studio anyway. So I wouldn't even know if it's got a smell. <laughs> but. Um, it looks like it could parts of it over there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, you know, that was the thing too. When I came out here, uh, I, st- I was researching too before and I'm like, there's no studios here. You know what? I mean, there was, but nothing, I was kind of spoiled finds out, you know, I worked at school. I'm like, there's gotta be a Neve room or an SSL room at least somewhere for like commercials or something. And I, and I couldn't find anything really. And I was kind of like, all right, well, I was kind of in a crossroads. Like, I didn't even know if I was going to do music much anymore. Or do I didn't even know what I was going to really do. Uh, and uh, so, but then, you know, of course, it's always the itches there. I'm always like, ah, you know. And then, um, so I'm checking around places, seeing, I'm just trying to figure out what's the move. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, I'll just go down to Nashville and New York when I have to. Uh, and then I had this, I got called to do a, uh, um, what do you call it? A, uh, music conference thing in, in, uh, in Nashville, um, where I was a keynote 
speaker. I was like, oh, this is that's cool. It came out of nowhere. It kind of kept me back into the music into doing it because I was thinking about maybe just not doing it anymore. And they met all those people there, which led to some work down there. But I come back and go, man, I got to find something. It's just not here in this town. And then I read somewhere that Bob McCutcheon opens a Neve room in Neville Island. And I'm like to my wife, where the hell's Neville Island? Is it close? Tell me it's close. <laughs> and, you know, she's oh, it's not far. I'm like, I, we got to go meet him. And I just, so I uh, um, set up an appointment to like look at the studio. And that's kind of how that started. I actually, I was interviewing um, Bradley Scott Malone last night for my other podcast. Right. And he told me that the whole studio came about because Bob was watching. Um, Speaking about, of Dave Grohl. Yep. Yep. He was watching that. Uh, why can't I think of it? Music City? Is that what it's called? Yeah. The, um, um, the one about uh, Sunset. Sun, yeah. Not Sunset Sound. Um, God, now we're both blanking. <laughs> But you know what? Sound City. Sound City. Sound City. That was it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it is. He, he. Um, you know, I, I don't know how much you know of his story, but yeah, he, he had, had his own recording studio, like, as a teenager or something like that. And, but he went into real work, business work, <laughs> and um, became very successful. God bless him. And uh, he was on a plane, and that movie came on. And it's inspired him so much to do what he always really dreamt of doing. And he was at the point in life where he could afford to do that. And boom, he built it. And as I say, you know, he built it and they will come. And I was <laughs> like, I came, I was like, I came out of nowhere. So the whole, the whole thing, the whole synchronicity of it is pretty weird. Even like, uh, I've been here like just on, yeah, just four years now. And like from the time I got here to now, it's completely different. There's like studios now, you know, or people adding real recording consoles. A, a studio called Tonic just put an API that they asked me to help with. And um, there's you, all kinds. It's just, just in four years, even through COVID and everything, it really grew. So now it's, now it's my turn to drop some names. Um, Sid Riggs and um, I, I know Lee, Sid. Lee yeah. Caruso Jr. I just talked to Lee for, I don't know, like two hours last night on the phone. Um, yeah, so I know those guys. We we I was helped them with picking out the uh, API and all that. I, I have something in the works that I can't talk about right now. But. Oh, okay, <laughs> but I just did some name dropping. <laughs> well, there there you go too. So now, like those are people like Sid. Like I, we we talk and we go. I can't believe we hadn't run into each other in LA before, and uh, so. But I meet him here, you know, and um, and so yeah, we're good friends now. We've been doing a lot of stuff with Protonic, um, and I heard somebody else moved to town too. I can't remember his name, but like some big heavyweights, uh, resume, and um, uh, yeah, like I said, all of a sudden I thought, man, I, just, I came to a ghost town of you know with nothing, and it turned out it does all kinds, of stuff. and I just. Recently, there, right before COVID hit, I did the Ghost Hounds, um, and that came from my my uh, Pittsburgh trip because Vance Powell, um, who's you know red hot engineer, now uh, he was uh, mixing that record, and they needed an engineer because he was busy doing Chris Stapleton, and because I had met him and became friends with him down in Nashville, he had called me and said, "You're in Pittsburgh. You're the only person I can think of. You're perfect. You want to you want to take this gig from me?" And I'm like, "Yeah, what?" And it was so it was the ghost towns thing. And he, um, Thomas Toll from the Ghost Towns, he built his own amazing studio, private studio. So I was like, where did this all like like a really short period of time for all that to happen? Uh so yeah, now all of a sudden Pittsburgh's coming to studio town. Um who my introduction to to the vault was through Royal Honey. Um, okay. I did their website and then oh, okay. um, Eric started the SOS PGH. Right. And that's when I started talking with um, the Borstal boys whose website Rock, I do. Rocky and the Borstal yep. boys. Yeah. I do Rocky's web. I do their website now. Um, I did the SOS PGH website. Oh, okay. Um, well, yeah, you're tired. Um, <laughs> I interviewed um, quite a few of the artists last night. I, 
like I said, I did Bradley Scott Malone. Um, I did Slam Band and Sam. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but there's no Sam. Yeah, I am actually. Yeah, yeah. no, I am. I actually <laughs> went in one day and helped him a little bit on a guitar sound thing. That was fun. I like those guys. Um, I I interviewed um, Gallo Lochnes, who uh, I know Gallo. Yeah, hip hop, which isn't normally my thing, but I I really enjoyed talking to him and his stuff. I, um, he's he's got the uh, internet promotion thing down to it. Oh, science. definitely. I, I, I see him. I I feel like I know him even better than I do, just because I see him every morning, every day when I check my phone. Like he's got something new up. Um, the, the funniest thing he said to me, he was like, "I'm starting to get recognized, and it's weird." He goes, "The other day I went to McDonald's and they gave me extra food." <laughs> yeah, I saw. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But um, so, who who have you worked with at the vault? Um, let's see what we done at the vault. Well, I brought a uh, band out from England, actually. Um, that I got got a random hit hit me up on the internet from these young kids in England. They were like, well, I think the oldest guy was nineteen, so like seventeen or eighteen, nineteen. They were just out. Uh, and uh, um, called Sierra Nevada, and they were out. And so I happened to be going to England, and I said, and I, "You know, I, I go. I don't know how you can make you know this work. It takes money." And I thought they were probably too young to pull it all off or whatever. And they were little. They were still developing. And I go, "It might be too big of a thing for you guys to you know do some demos first at home for a little bit, and I'll help you out via." own advice or whatever but i was going there and i go so to test the water to see how real they were I, they're from whole england which is up north and i said you know i'll be in london i can make a little bit of time you know we could do lunch or something but i you know i know that's probably a distance so you know i understand and they were like no we'll come to london so they did so i i plotted them for their their dedication on that you know tenacity to, to make it happen. And I was like, all right, if you got, you know, so anyway, they ended up getting the money uh, together to get themselves out here. So we did that there. And that was a blast having them in town. Cause they were like full to them, you know, coming to America was a big deal. Like I was trying to go, Hey, you know, I could come to England and do this, <laughs> but uh, no, we want to come to America. And I'm like, yeah, I figured. Okay. But they had a blast here. So we did that. That was, a, that was a good one. Um, I don't know why my brain's friends, which, um, who else have I been doing there? Oh, I just did two metal bands in a row, which is really funny because of all my metal history, I haven't done a metal record in ages. I don't know why I just hasn't fallen in my lap. hasn't cause it's just nothing. I'm like, man. So I just did a band from West Virginia called truck stop. And then, um, stage of dreams, which they're from Youngstown, Ohio, but they, came through the vault so we just did those two records there and that was cool because uh, like i said that was i hadn't done that in a long time um that, that metal so, thing made me made me think um have you done have you done any work with rob diener in the other office we we keep threatening to we talk <laughs> about it all the time he was actually talking about doing some atmos and uh, surround type mixes for for on my record but we actually haven't done anything yet together but he, he comes down whenever i'm doing like during the metal bands i was doing i had i'm kind of i'm kind of over the top with the guitars and how many pedals and how many loud i do it and how many freaking mics i use them like every, <laughs> everybody they always come they all make fun of me they come in and they just laugh because i have like a thousand things going on and i go oh you're not using every mic in the building yet Uh-oh, you know <laughs> um so rob always drops it because because I had the guitars so loud it's bleeding up into his room. <laughs> so he goes, Oh, I guess it's a Dave Hillis session, you know? So he, he harasses me about that, but, but yeah, we actually haven't done. He said, he told me he used my Marshall the other day and said, <laughs> cause I leave, I leave a Marshall at the studio. So, but yeah, we haven't actually worked yet. And yeah, the reason his name rang when you, when you mentioned metal is he works with the band named, called scale. Right, and um, I do. He kept website. dropping their name, and I was like, I didn't know what he was saying for. I didn't know it was a band name. Like he just threw it in conversation. I'm like, what is it? What is he saying? Like, so I finally figured out it was a band. Yeah, I am. Um, I've known them. Well, I've known the, known the lead singer 
since probably 2001. And um, I met the rest of the band later. As Yeah, so you're doing a ton of work in that whole circle. I am. I, I And I didn't think about it until I started talking to you. I'm like, wow, we, we probably know a lot of the same yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's my whole real, you know, been my introduction to Pittsburgh. Well, then along with, and then I met the Tonic guy, so I'm getting like, start to get to know people. People starting to know I'm here. That was a hard thing. Like nobody really. Well, it's, I didn't know you were here until yeah. Bob sent me a message. He goes, hey, do you want to interview Dave Hillis? And I was like, yeah, how do you know him? He's like, he's at the vault. I'm like, he is? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But, all right. So what we're going to do now, we're going to take a break. And I'm going to go ahead and play a scale track. I think maybe we'll play um, Lose Myself. And then we're going to play a Winner's Descent track called Fortune, which... Um, that's me- a... Lee did, yeah, okay. That Lee I heard did. him talking about. Or is Lee and is that Lee and Sid or just Lee? I'm not sure if Sid was on that one. I know, I know, I know they were working on something together. I don't know and, what. Well, we'll chat off the air. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I know for sure Lee was on it. I don't. I'm not. I don't know if Sid was. So we'll listen to those two tracks and we will come right back. Thank you. 
So that was Fortune by Winner's Descent. And right before that, you heard Scale, Lose Myself. Uh, my name is Bill. This is the Pennsylvania Rock Show, episode number 587. With me tonight is Dave Hillis. So you're walking along, and you come across the DeLorean. So you can hop into the DeLorean, and you can go back in time. But you can't meet yourself or anyone you're related to, because then Doc Brown's going to yell at you. Um, you know, it's weird. My uncle owned a DeLorean. I I want one. My but. uncle owned one. And I was about just about ready to get my license, and I would just man, I'd sit in it, you know. But he's like, "Well, when you get your license, he'll let you drive it." And of course, like he didn't have it by the time I got my license. <laughs> I always had that DeLorean memory. But anyway, all right. So you can go back in time and follow any musician in the history of the world to any to learn from them, hang out with them, just talk to them. Who would you want to hang out with? I mean, kid, so many. That's like a tough one. Oh, just wait. <laughs> um, I'd have to split them up. Some different things. Like, you know, I was such a huge fan of Randy Rhodes. There'd be a moment where I would just have to want to hang with him. Then again, there's like Prince. That would be pretty cool. 
Um, Pete Townsend would be cool. Uh, not like I listen to Who every day. I just think he would be cool to be around with all the stuff he was doing, like recording-wise and things like that. Um, there's got to be way better other answers. Um, well, I'll give you another chance to throw out some more names. So, <laughs> Okay. But it's, again, going to be an odd way of asking. You know, <laughs> you know who I discovered I saw a documentary on not too long ago was um, – Betty Davis, not the actress, but she was married to Miles Davis. Okay. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. Guess where she lives? No idea. Homestead, VA. Are you kidding me? No, I was shocked. I'm like, what? Like, like now? Like, she lives somewhere, an apartment in there. Wow. But her, check out her documentary. It's such a cool documentary. She lived like a pretty freaking cool life. So uh, that would be a fun one to tap for a while. Um, but I just, that was fresh in my mind because I just watched it. Uh, just, oh God, I could jump all over the place. All right. So now we're going to jump to a different movie. Okay. Um, so there's the scene in Forrest Gump where he's sitting with the box of chocolates and talking the person's ear off. Uh-huh. So let's say you're sitting on a bench and along comes your, your musical idol and they sit down beside you and you have a chance to talk their ear off. But you're only allowed to ask them one question. Oh man, who who's gonna These be sitting? Are like tough questions, dude. Who's who's gonna sit down next to you, and what are you gonna ask them to get the conversation started? I needed a week to prepare for these questions, <laughs> it's like a thesis. Um, I don't know. Like in some ways, um, Prince keeps coming to mind just because he was so freaking good at everything he did, and all the aspects of it, and even how like he controlled his career and his confidence and all that. Uh, but then I've actually, I was actually interviewed by, uh, Susan, his, uh, engineer for that thing I was telling about in Nashville. So I kind of got to talk to her about it. So that was kind of close. So I'd have to use <laughs> another, uh, um, I mean, God, there's so many cheesy ones I could say, but, uh. I don't know, dude. I mean, in some way, I don't know. It's a hard question because I'm a bit jaded, too. I've gotten to meet a lot of people, and I kind of know how things I've seen. I've been on both sides of the glass, you know. I've had, I've been a signed artist, and I've been uh, a producer and an engineer. So it's like I'm a little jaded or a little uh, cynical at this point. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to tell me that I would have done different. Um, I probably would have screwed it up or just not made it like you, like you did. Um, uh, I don't know, man. He's stumping me again. I, I'm not being creative with my answers here. We we can move on if you want. But I mean, just there's so know. many like little questions. I'd want to ask so many different people. You know, you got, you know, they talk about those things where you have like a round table. And you sit with all these dead people. I'd, I'd want to do that. You know, I'd have Hendrix there. And I'd have you know, different people sitting around so that we could all bounce the ideas off. But you limit me to being on a bench <laughs> with one. You, you, you can give me a round table if, if, if it makes it easier for you. Well, you know, so that's one of them. Um, I don't know. There's so many, you know, from, I guess, well, they'd have to be at least from the 60s or 70s because they're the ones who went through it all, right? Um that would know a lot about everything. Um, you know, all your classics. You know, we could throw a beetle in there. Um, which beetle? I don't even know. Um, maybe, maybe the maybe Pete Best, the uh, the drummer who didn't make it with him. That would be interesting. Um, to be famous for not being in a band. Yeah, like what, dude, tell me about that. Like the most iconic of all bands and you were in it and didn't make, I mean, that's, that's a pretty heavy one. I had actually friends with, haven't talked to him in years, but um, uh, of course I haven't got anything his name on Jason, who was in Nirvana and Soundgarden. And he was actually in a band with me for like a week. We were like doing a band. Um, 
and uh, Alien Psychoboss, we were called. That was that was a name <laughs> that was going to make it to the top. But uh, he, yeah, he and like I've heard him talk about it since then. But that's a pretty wild one. He was like in he's in the pictures and in like a video, <laughs> and you know they go on to be like both of them. Like how do you get in two? Uh, but, um, so we're kind of pushing my time limit. So I do want to talk about your album Skylines. Um, tell us a little bit about it, where where people can get copies of it. I personally checked it out on YouTube and Spotify, so I know it's there. Yeah, it's on all the streaming platforms and all that. Um, yeah, that was that's me. That you know, every assumes I'm going to do a guitar record or a rock record or something like that. Um, and, it, and it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. And I, you know, I told people I was warning people like. It's not going to be that, but I don't know. They think I'm lying or something. They just couldn't, I don't know. They couldn't get their head around it. But I just wanted, you know, I just was itching to be creative. I, I've been so caught up making other people's music and doing, and then, and then I, I tried starting it a few different times and I just couldn't even get a, an idea or a sound or a trip I wanted to go. I just had a bunch of loops and stupid little ideas and I just go, oh, you suck and start over and start over. I finally got on a little bit of roll, but yeah, it's, it's, I purposely wanted to do something um, that was, you know, not using guitars. I, I even tried to put some in and it just wouldn't work. Wouldn't fit. I don't know. It just wasn't going to happen. So I finally embraced that said, don't even try it. You're just forcing it then. And, you know, I play, I've always been interested in samplers since I teenager when it first came out. I just thought they were cool. I didn't know what I was ever going to do with them, but I thought they were cool. It's like, I just like those things. I don't know. It's just weird that you can do that. And so over the years, like in between gigs or jobs or whatever, I would kind of as a hobby play with those types of things and programming and manipulating sound. And, um, but it's also really influenced by who I said before, my bloody Valentine and that type of stuff. So it's trying to do kind of hit some of that flavor without guitars which is weird because it's a full guitar band, but, um, and it really was just, it's all about, I just want to be creative in a different way. I didn't necessarily want to have regular verse chorus bridge thing. I didn't want, I wanted no rules, um, odd sounds and beats. And so I just fully went there and saw where it go, would go and then figured nobody will get it or like it. And I'm <laughs> doing it anyway. So it was one of those just creative I'm just doing it kind of things. Statement. Um, so we, we're not playing one of your tracks tonight, but on the show notes on buildthescene.com, there will be an embedded video of the song Flowers, which was the one that, that stuck with me when I was listening through it. I'm like, that's the one, I think. Yeah, well, that was that was kind of supposed to be the one. Like, I have one with vocals on it, and I didn't know. I attempted to do some vocals. I just couldn't get anything happening that I liked. And I randomly made a phone call to uh, David B, as I call him, um, Bumaheim is his last name, uh, from the band Pet Clinic, who I'd done a demo with uh, here in Pittsburgh. And, and we went down to Nashville and did some recording there as well. Um, and I thought, you know, maybe he would, I go, dude, I'm going to send you something, just see if he even sparks you. And he's, I figured, you know, he he's not going to like this stuff. And he goes, yeah, I got something, um, what are you doing? Should I swing by? And I'm like, what? <laughs> like what? Like now? And he's like, I go, sure. And I'm like quickly setting up a mic in my basement. And he said, I just wrote some lines while I was driving in my head. And I go, great, man, go for it. And not expecting it would turn out. Cause I was, you know, I was so hit or miss, but he came up with that thing. And I was just started smiling going, that's great. So it worked out that I had one track that at least it had a vocal and a vocal hook to it. So I thought, well, at least I could, people might, I can get them to at least listen to that song if they get bored and the rest. And cause everything else is instrumental basically. So, so I'm glad it caught you. Hey, so I have one more oddball question for you. And then I'm All right. I've been doing terrible on these. Well, this one, I'm, again, I'm going to ask it in a weird way, but don't, don't focus on how I ask it. <laughs> okay. All right. So Robert Johnson and the blues, um, foray of things sure is is supposedly you know went to the crossroads and and sold his soul to the devil and then all of a sudden he could play guitar so if you were going to sell your soul to the devil 
what would you sell it for? In other words, what's that one thing that you I could go on so many tangents on that. That was one now I could have talked to you an hour about, uh, (laughs) but I'll keep it to that. So what would I sell my soul for? What would be the payoff? Yeah. That the, the one thing you really want. Well, now it's too late. Now, if you would ask me when I was like, you know, 17, I I wanted to be a rock. You know, I was like so caught up in that. I want to be a rock star thing. I was right there with that whole (laughs) generate, you know, that whole young thing where I was, uh, you know, um, and then, you know, as it grew on, grew on now, I'm like, thank God, kind of glad I didn't become one. Although the money would have been nice. Um, what would I, uh, gosh, at, you know, at this point, just, I'm kind of okay at where I'm at. I, you know, uh, I wish, I wish the recording budgets were like they were in the seventies. Could I say that? <laughs> yeah, and they were all, that. they were all coming to me like, can I sell my soul for that? And then, you know, can I just like be able to live in the studio and not have to worry about that um, with my family, you know, everybody happy. That would be cool. I like that would it. probably be it. I am um, back when I was dreaming of what I was going to do. I wanted to be a fourth grade teacher. Um, now I teach kindergarten through eighth specifically, grade. Specifically, fourth specifically grade. fourth grade, but I teach kindergarten through eighth grade. <laughs> Wow. Well, so, see, so it's you, in you, there. yeah, I mean, you kind of, you more than doubled what, yeah, I mean, you got yeah. the whole school. <laughs> All but the preschoolers. <laughs> yeah. But um, I want to thank you for hanging out with me tonight. I, this was fun. I, yeah, I appreciate it, man. This is cool. Um, I like your whole setup. Thank you. I have plenty more oddball questions if you want to come on again in a couple months. <laughs> All right. All right. Hopefully something cool will happen in the next couple of months. We have a reason to talk again. Oh, I do have one more question. Over your shoulder, I see albums hanging on the wall. Um, what do you got hanging up there? Uh, well, those two, it's the uh, Pearl Jam Platinum Record and the Alice in Chains. Um, Afghan Wigs, my old band, um, stuff like that. I I actually had, I had a fortunate thing before I uh, came out to Pittsburgh or my, when I was moving stuff my car got stolen and I had a bunch of my records in the trunk because we were moving things and never recovered those. And some great signed like things from mother's on bone and stuff like that. It's a bummer. But for some reason I had these separated somewhere else. So I still was able to retain some, but I digress. But uh, yeah, uh, that's what those are. So, and some of just some stuff from my little basement studio. That's I had no idea that's what was behind you, but that's yeah. that's cool. I've been yes, looking the, at it all night. <laughs> the, the Pearl Gem one's cool. I said for twelve million records, so that was that was pretty. That's a good one. <laughs> but all right, well, this has been episode number five hundred and eighty-seven of the Pennsylvania Rock Show. Make sure you check us out each and every Friday on buildthescene.com and all those stations I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I'm not going to repeat again. Um, You're about to hear some more of the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. After that, you will hear Mr. John, the American Hilljack Lane, tell you how to subscribe, leave comments, and follow us. When you hear that, that's the end of the show. But don't leave the radio stations. They're supporting the shows and the music on the show, so you should hang out there and support the other songs and bands that they they are playing for you. My name is Bill, and I will catch you next time. Wanna know why I'm so charged up My favorite band's rolling into town Filthy pennies and crunched up dollars Bought this ticket, time to get unwound If music's your reason to be Makes you feel so wild and free Grab your boots and get ready to
This episode of the Pennsylvania Rock Show has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more of the best on-sign rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.